The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome back to the one and only Cavs the Podcast. Featuring commentary from all of your favorite Cavs the Blog bloggers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Nate Smith here with uh, Tom. With TP, but I have no TP. Do you really? Are you really out of TP? Yeah. I went to Kroger tonight, did the oh, click man. click list, and they were like, "Yep, no milk, no toilet paper." I was like, "Yeah, I kind of thought that would happen." Um, I I can send you some. Yeah, I might accept that. Uh, okay, because I did not hoard. Oh sure, no, you're from Alaska. You're always prepared. I did not hoard, but my wife bought um some last weekend, and then I bought one extra thing of it when I was at the store yesterday because when I heard they canceled school for three weeks, I was like, well, I'm just going to run to the store here now at three <laughs> thirty and stock up on a couple things and not be excessive, but just make sure I have, cause I got, you know, three extra people going to the bathroom in my house for the <laughs> next three work weeks. So I'm going to use more consumables. So um, as we so all can, will be as we shelter at home. So I can blame you for my predicament. <laughs> so somebody at um, Chris's school, or not Chris's, um, who was it told me this? Oh, no, my friend, They she went to pick up her kid at daycare and was talking about it, and she's like, oh, yeah, stray socks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah, there's been some good memes coming out. Have you seen the one Walmart still has plenty of TP and then it's just like a bunch of Pittsburgh Steelers shirts? Nice. Nice. Yeah, I yeah. have not seen that one. But I also have heard that if you know where to shop, you can find it. And uh, the Asian grocery store I've heard is is still well stocked on provisions. As oh, Nice. And n- not not making any kind of untoward uh, generalizations there, just what I've read. And um, <laughs> I, you can probably go to Home Depot. I think they carry those things too, but I'm not sure. So Nate, in times of uncertainty, generalizations are the best we've got. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means. Is that you're, you're scared to agree with me? That's okay. Oh, I don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't even know what that means. I mean, it's like, exactly what the I comment. mean. No, it's just like everything is a model or a you know a heuristic or the best we've got or a generality based so, on everything we know at this point. Yeah, so that's okay. what you do I, I, when I, you don't yeah. have perfect information. Is you, you know you use the word reportedly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was talking to my sister tonight, and she's like, you know, I've been going back and forth on how some people are getting real angry that people are comparing this to the flu. My sister's a doctor, by the way. Yeah. And she said, and she said, but to be honest, that's really the best analogy we can use right now for a variety of reasons. So. Right. You know, I'm 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 sort of like pushing back on the pushback at comparing this to the flu because it's not the flu, but in so many ways it, it shares many symptoms. Well, and just how contagious it is, yeah. and the fact that every year the flu, you know, is kind of a new. You know, we think it's like oh, it's the flu, but it's actually a new virus every yeah. year. Yes. And so, you know, like the common cold, a lot of the common colds is not necessarily new every year. Um, they're seasonal, but the flu is new every year. That's why when you, when I think, and I, I don't even yeah. know if I know enough to be dangerous here, but they try to predict, you know, what the yeah. flu will, will be like. The strain that will be most prevalent this year. Yeah. And, you know, they don't, they're not, they're not, I think, I don't know if it's like 35 or 40% you know, probability that they'll be successful there, but I think it's the other way around. I think they usually get it right around two thirds of the time and wrong another third of the time, but okay. Well, anyway, so she was saying like, you know, this is, this is new territory, this thing. And, um, the flu is actually in a lot of ways, um, it's an airborne, you know, respiratory, highly contagious, just like the flu. And the symptoms are just like the flu. And, so, so what I asked her was, because I read something today that said something like, and I can't remember who said this, but they predicted, or didn't predict, but they said there were models that were trying to do all these different kinds of scenarios, best case, worst case, whatever. And I think some of the worst case scenarios, they said like up to 60% of the world's population will get this. And that just shocked me because I was like, wait, does this, does this like ever happen? Like when, you know, when we talk about, oh, it was like a bad flu season does that mean like 60 percent of the world had it and she was she was sort of like yeah that could be you know and i was like wow i didn't i did not realize like when you know i'm sniffling like more than half of the world could be dealing with at some point that year the same thing i'm dealing with that just i wasn't even thinking in those orders of magnitude i don't know why i just i don't know if i thought there was way more types of illnesses and you're spreading hundreds of thousands, you know, maybe even thousands of different types of illnesses across, you know, well, South, we, South we and like, people. We like to think of ourselves as individuals, but each one of us is literally a walking biome of, you know, not just human cells, but bacteria and viruses and fungi. Fungi. There you go. And uh, <clears throat> hopefully not amoebae um, or amoeba. <laughs> you're, a, you're a fungi, Nate. <laughs> but no, wow, dad jokes. <laughs> dad jokes. Come for the coronavirus talk. Stay for the dad jokes here on. Have you seen the? Have you seen the pictures of these really long checkout lines where there's people with these massive. Oh. 
shopping carts, and then there's one guy like holding a six pack of Corona. Uh, so my wife in, in the last line. night. So I told I tell you the story of my uh, of my little trip to the grocery store, and my wife kind of rolled her eyes because she is <laughs> like Nate. It's you don't need to do that. We have plenty of food, and I'm like, I know, I just want a little extra, and I know part of it. An enormous part of it is that the reason people buy and they stock and they hoard is it gives them a sense of control in a situation that they don't have control in. Um, but so Chris, she's like, text me. She's like, did you get beer? I was like, no, I this is the one thing I didn't get. I did not get beer. And so she stops at the grocery store and gets two six packs of beer. And the woman in front of her literally has this gigantic shopping cart full of toilet paper. And Chris is just <laughs> starts cracking up. And she just looks at her. And he goes, she just holds up her beer. She goes, you and I prepare very differently. <laughs> and she goes, the woman just shot me the nastiest look. Yeah. And then... Well- um, and then Chris just laughed and she got even more mad. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, we live in interesting times. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and unprecedented, right? Like this is never, nothing like this has ever happened in my life. Um, yeah, no, uh, certainly not. I mean, the swine flu is the comparison. I think, uh, I would say for older people, um and and it's pretty old at this point but polio was probably a similar scare mm. um in in the 30s and 40s i think uh cuz polio was just knocking kids out like crazy yeah and it was it was i mean it's a terrifying disease i mean this is a scary disease um but but pol- polio the mortality rates and the debilitation rates were much higher. I mean, we literally had a president uh, of our country that was in a wheelchair because of polio. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably the closest analogy in America in the 20th century. And obviously the Spanish flu before that. But, yeah, it's, yeah. But for us, it. And what was it I read today is like, why are millennials so freaked out about everything? It's like, well, they grew up, 9-11 happened, and they had the um, the Great Recession, and now this. So it's like, yeah, I can see where they're a little freaked out about certain things. Oh, definitely, millennials, relax. Excuse me, definitely uh, generational divides there, but... So yeah, it's been crazy. I've been jonesing the podcast for I know a you've been, week. You've been you've been messaging me like every night. I know, I'm... and I I feel bad. I just I feel no. Just... I feel bad. I've oh, been okay. Well, you've been... got you got a family to take care of, I man. Do well, yeah. you too? Yeah. Well, we yeah, both do. They're old enough. They take care of them. As as my wife said, they all wipe their own asses. <laughs> so. <laughs> mine do not <laughs> yeah, yeah that well and that and unfortunately when there's a toilet paper shortage it's an issue <laughs> yeah 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 well. so here's what's going to happen on the toilet paper every right, every factory right now is making more toilet paper they're making more toilet paper than they made the weeks prior to that because the demand is so high right now and 
they're going to restock the shelves and there will be toilet paper available next week next week and you know what will happen everybody will be full up on all this stuff and they'll sell less toilet paper than they did the week before yep that's what i'm thinking Um, well the weird the weird one to me has been the people that are like prepping with things like eggs it's like bro like those are gonna go bad in like two weeks you don't you know i get like i have i keep eggs for like two months well, okay, but it's not like canned okay, food. Okay, milk. Right? Milk is a better example. Two weeks milk. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't have any milk today, and our family uh, really is fueled by milk. So that <laughs> that actually is going to impact. You got like the Kevin bit. Love chocolate milk poster. We're up. not we're not chocolate or strawberry. We're just oh, regular old like two percent. Yeah. But That's we drink a lot. Two percent, Tom. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I am part of the two percent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I drink a lot of milk too. I usually have cereal, and if I eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which I do a couple three times a week, uh, I'll have a uh, I'll have a glass of milk with it, or you know brownies or a cookie or something. And and yeah, not being able to go to the gym right now, as you can imagine, is not good for me. So, although I I could go to the gym, I'm I'm. Have chosen not to over the last two and a half months, and I, I want to tell myself it's because of coronavirus. Yeah, that's it's really what you just because I'm lazy. That, that, yeah, no, that's a perfectly valid excuse for yeah. everything right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or or as or as they're calling it, uh, as the kids are calling it, the Rona. The Rona. I like it. <laughs> so anyway, um, so my question, Nate, I'm assuming you predict that they'll cancel the olympics that's my prediction. oh i knew they were going to cancel the olympics a month ago so for those of you listening and if you've noticed um i have not been writing with the fervor that i may have in uh months and years past and so i think i don't think i've written a recap in quite some time in probably a half a dozen games um i think i wrote one but Part of it is as I have been a little obsessed with this situation over the last six weeks or so. So I've been following it pretty closely. So I kind of theorized at least a month ago that the Olympics were not going to be in play. You heard Uh, it here first, folks. No, you didn't, because I didn't get on and spout. Well, the guy on this podcast that you're hearing knew it first, folks. <laughs> Don't tell my wife that, because when I said that, she was not happy with me. She just gave me the same look that that woman gave her in the grocery store line. Why, does she like the Olympics? And you were... No, no, no. She didn't like the you heard it here first line about everything. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, in general, that's just in general, that's it just was annoying. It was it's like the word. It's like the word moist. Pretty it's just, insufferable. Just go. Just stop. Oh, yeah. that's her least favorite word. Is moist. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. not alone. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. Uh, that didn't go over well. <laughs> so yeah, we've we've had a lot of arguments in the the last few weeks, and me saying I told you so was was hey. not my most prudent stop. choice. That's what the coronavirus wants. Don't, don't give it. Don't, <laughs> don't give, give it what it, it wants. Don't give it what it wants. Yeah. So, what was your question? Because I've totally. 
do you think they'll cancel the Olympics? Oh yeah, they're totally cancel Neil. Well, so they the, better because can you imagine all no, of us it's... like shutting down and then a whole bunch of like horny athletes go have a yeah. orgy for like a month and then yeah. the coronavirus comes back mutated and stronger than ever. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the coronavirus that's going to fell super athletes. That, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that. Uh... Yeah, they'll they'll be canceling the Olympics, and you know, and the whole thing about part of the reason that we're all practicing social distancing now is to do the the flatten the curve thing, where yep. basically we get to the point where we can react to this, and our healthcare system is not overwhelmed. Right. Um, and and clearly, if there's vaccine research, that's going to be very much fast tracked. Um, I'm I'm hoping that that things move quickly there, but. Yeah, the, we're not gonna get an Olympics. I would be pretty skeptical about. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think the NBA season will continue? Um, yeah, I don't know. I I know the NCAA tournament is you know not happening. Oh yeah, totally not happening. And and that's a weird thing. So I guess a lot of the coaches are talking about adding a year of eligibility. Uh, which I mean, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> what so, do you? I mean, what do you mean? Uh, well, like if you're a senior and this was your last year of eligibility for college basketball, just allowing. Oh, I got another you. You year can play another. Yeah, no, yeah. they should definitely do that. Yeah, in 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 all the sports that were affected. Yeah, by that. I don't sure. have a problem with that. Um, right. I mean, truthfully, I'm in, all for anybody getting free college. So. Of course you are, Nate. You want everyone to just get free shit. Yeah, we're letting it fly here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I, and I'm here to tell you that. that it's a choice whether or not you get the coronavirus. So, Why is that? Because everything's a choice. Oh. So if you get it, it's your fault. <laughs> I the see. And the government shouldn't help you at all. Oh, I, I hope you're not serious. <laughs> I'm playing up the archetype, man. I- <laughs> You mean the archetype? Yeah, the archetype. You are the product of every choice you make, Nate. Um, if you're not wearing a respirator from China right now to combat the Chinese coronavirus, that's on you, Nate. You're killing that's me, not, Tom. You're that's not on anybody me. else. That's not on anybody else. You're killing me, Tom. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, the NBA is they could theoretically at some point in the future base, especially if they're not um, playing anybody else. They could just like playing in front of an audience. They could just go to Vegas and do what they do in Vegas or yeah, some I mean, other location what, where they just have the playoffs yeah, or TV. Yeah, they should do it on like an aircraft carrier, like, you know, in the <laughs> middle of the ocean. Well, the problem with that is the the actual pitch of the ocean actually affects the play plus wind, but that would well, be interesting. I mean, everyone's dealing with the same pitch and the same wind. So, Oh, I'm, I'm not arguing with you. No, but like they literally remember they opened a uh, college season with a game on an aircraft carrier. Yeah, I do. And it was cool. Yeah. And they yeah, should just cool. do that. I mean, you want to well, talk about social isolation, get out in the middle of the Pacific ocean. <laughs> there you go. Um, one of the other things I thought was super fun idea was to just, if there are no, is no audience, just mic all the players, um, you know, and put it on a minute delay so you can bleep any, 
<laughs> oh man, that whole thing will be bleeped. I know it'd be, it'd be <laughs> awesome, actually. Though <laughs> I think, I think people, that'd I think, be a lot of fun. I think a lot of people would be alarmed by the <laughs> well, language. To be honest, I think that a lot of people would probably tone it down for television. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but I mean, if you've but, ever been, you've ever played like kind of a high level pickup game, you oh, know, yeah. or, or or watched one. It, you know, it's it doesn't it's, matter it's, if it's high level, Tom. Right. I told you my uh, tales of lunacy on the basketball court. I mean, oh yeah, I, like I, just I, some I, picking some random dude and just yelling at him that he's never going to be able to go left, and I'm gonna sit on your right hand all day. <laughs> yep. Uh. Or screaming and not practicing social distancing in someone's face and looking like Daniel Stern in Rookie of the Year with spit flying out of my mouth. So <laughs> anyway, wait, Daniel Stern Rookie of the Year is he the is he the hot ice coach? He was the pitching, the, the yeah, coach? he was the coach. Yes, I heat up the ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was Daniel Stern. Yeah. Oh man, I love that guy. Yeah, that guy's that guy's awesome. Hot. Um, Ice. And he's got that giant wad of chewing tobacco in his mouth. Yeah. The whole time. And then doesn't he switch to uh, sunflower seeds or something? He's like, I can't remember. <laughs> and they're all like coming out of his mouth as he's talking. That's kind of what I was talking about. But they put that on Disney Plus. They'll have to warn us for tobacco use because there's oh. a lot of it going on there. That's true. What is the oh? And then of course the Wet Bandits in uh, Home Alone. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Daniels and the voice, of course, of uh, Kevin Arnold in The Wonder Years. Yeah, is he? Lots. Is that Daniel Stern? Yeah, that's the narrator. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of where where his. And break you're so came much from. more cultured than me, Nate. That's why of I'll... of shit that happened in the '90s. You're welcome. Well, that's all I care about. I don't. I don't want to know about anything that's happened. Well, yeah, post- and we can binge anything. it all now. Like any anything that's happened after like 2004, like culturally, I think is probably worthless, and I don't want to even know about it. Yeah, I'd see, be- I'm I'm a 2009 is okay. is, is around my cutoff. That's but, that's the threshold. Yeah, and I think that's probably just because that's when I was in my late 20s and um or okay early 30s and um and I, yeah, was, I was gonna <laughs> say like huh <laughs> I was still uh I was, lying son I was still you know, listening to music that was made in the last decade. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, super, super interesting times. So, I mean, the worst part about it, and it's nominally is a Cavs podcast at this point, but the Cavs were getting to be so much fun. And we're not going to see Larry Nance Jr. at the three anymore. (sighs) I hope that which was pure joy, pure joy. I mean, First of all, I got to say I told you so, which... Yes, you did tell us so. <laughs> so and that's always fun. That's always yeah. fun to glow. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So uh, that was fun. That made me happy. And then, uh, and second of all, he's a really, really, really good defender. And like, he can shoot. I mean, he's a he's a great player. He's Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's above, it feels like he's above average at most things for yeah, the big like, position. He could... I mean, there's not a team in the league that he wouldn't get 25 minutes a night on. And add value. I agree. Uh, you, you I know, totally agree. Yeah. I mean, he's super, he, he is a Swiss Army knife of a player. Like, you can literally yep. guard five positions with him. He can stretch a floor. He's not a great finisher when he's not dunking, but he's a really good passer, really good rebounder, just 
a really good defender and obviously a great teammate. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of fun to have on a and team. And he's very fundamentally sound, but he's yeah. also so athletic that he's, you know, he's not boring to watch, right? Yeah, he's not... and I was loving seeing Chetty at the two and Larry at the three was a blast because then, like, you're just bigger than the other team. And, like, <laughs> shockingly, that lets you play well. I know yeah. it's this crazy concept. But... <laughs> but... Size helps in basketball. Yeah, size matters. Yeah. Elections have consequences. That's right. <laughs> Draft picks have consequences. There you go. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was super fun. I mean, obviously, the Della Vadova situation just from out of nowhere going yeah, supernova. He, he, he yanked the fork out of his back. <laughs> he really all did. Of us to see. Yeah. And a lot of it, uh, I read a really great. Uh, Real Cavs fan at Real Cavs fans, um, who runs the Real Cavs fan uh, website? I came or the actual name of the website, but he was like, "Yeah, Delhi hurt his wrist and his hand in preseason and wasn't able to shoot for four months." Uh, shockingly, so and then after the All Star break, when he actually had time to get healthy, he was shooting a lot better. So yeah, um, and not only shooting better, I mean, he was literally last game, he stepped into a heat check three and drained it. Yeah. No, I <laughs> in saw a guy's him. grill. I mean, that's insane. Um, which we weren't even close to seeing that earlier. So that was a ton of fun. And it, what's the other, uh, fun. And of course, you know, Colin Sexton, perpetual Cavalier nominee for player of the week. <laughs> and what, I mean, Am I missing something? He is so polarizing. I don't feel like he's like a bad guy. No, it it I like you know how like Jared Smith was polarizing? Like I sort of understood that. I don't I'm not saying Jared's a bad guy. I just you know, he had a history of questionable, you know, antics and behavior and commitment to you know, just I don't know. I just Sexton just seems like a hardworking guy that does stupid things. But yet, it's but like he's some, also only twenty one. But some Cavs fans just love him, and some just hate him. And I just, I'm, I'm sort of like, I don't know. Like sometimes I hate watching him make dumb mistakes, but I certainly yeah. don't feel like he should be that polarizing of a player. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, do you, there are some games like I get it with these games where like Kevin Love's gets eight shots in like thirty minutes. And like goes three for eight and doesn't touch the ball for like a half. Um, that that is enough to color me against uh, Colin Sexton. But I also feel like the Cavs at times have desperately needed a guy that you can just plug in twenty points a night, and he's been that guy. Well, especially since Clarkson got traded. Yeah, absolutely, and. You know, his true shooting's at 56% right now, which isn't great, but it's not bad. It's right. I think that's right around league average. But, I mean, if you can literally just plug a guy in that... Plus, you and I both know, late in games and also in the playoffs, the ability to get your own shot and not have to manufacture a shot out of a set offense or, you know, out of a turnover is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, And... Colin's not great at that. He over dribbles. But if you can set him up with a path to the rim, I mean, 
he can definitely score. And the other thing is he's getting to be almost automatic in transition. Like, yeah, he is good and he can score with either hand. He does a decent job of using his body even when the defender is, you know, has closed the gap to mm-hmm. create the space so he doesn't get his shot blocked. You know, Kyrie was so good at that. Yeah, well, and, uh, Colin still gets his shot blocked a lot because he does what Ben Worth called out two years ago is instead of getting into the body, he takes off and tries to glide to the basket like from eight feet away instead of doing the Tony Parker thing where I'm going to get into your body and then spin it up off the backboard. And he just, Colin just shows it too early and takes off too early. And that's where most of his blocks come from that. And just poor, like deciding he's going to go against two seven footers or some poor decision-making, but he's getting better and better and better at that. So, yeah, it's been fun to watch him. And it's funny because I was way down on second. I mean, I, another pat myself on the back ridiculous moment is I started the Kevin or the Colin Sexton block count of like when he was leading the league in blocks against. Um, and it was, it was like, okay, everybody, a lot of people just started just being super anti-sex. And I'm like, yeah, he's not an ideal player, but hold your horses. He has a great attitude. He's by all accounts, even though here's the thing. Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson get super frustrated with playing with him because he gets such tunnel vision, but they also, you can clearly tell, love the guy. Mm. So that's... That's not always obvious to me. I see... I don't really see with Tristan, but I see Love, you know, I've seen him a lot this year. Yeah, I I would Um, say in the last six games, it's been much different. Well, probably because the Cavs have been winning. (laughs) Well, yeah, but... It's also winning cures all except the coronavirus. As John Madden said, it's the greatest deodorant. Yeah, (laughs) it really is. I mean, it's so much easier to just. Yeah. So things are going well. Yeah. The other thing is, is, you know, is that we've beaten into the ground, too. When you play a backcourt. That is that young, that short, that inexperienced, you're just going to take your lumps. I mean, it's just, this is the NBA. You're not going to win games, and they're kind of, were designed to do that, you know? Yeah. And it was interesting how the last couple games, they were killing their guys. Like, like Kevin Love was playing 36 minutes a night. Larry Nance was playing 35 minutes. Um, they were running a seven-man. Delhi was playing 35 minutes. They were running a seven-man rotation. I'm like, and then they played that overtime game, and I'm like, they're literally going to exhaust their players, and somebody's going to get hurt. Like, they're playing with fire here. And in a way, <laughs> the the Rona saved them from themselves, but... <laughs> the Rona. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was it definitely was a fun last six, seven games. I mean, Larry Nance was a blast. Kevin Love coming back and playing really well the last several games. Um I haven't been a big Andre Drummond fan. Yeah, I was gonna talk about Drummond a little bit. Yeah, so 
how many games of Drummond have you watched? Because if you like didn't three. watch every game, it was I think that might be all he's played. <laughs> mm. I mean, he hasn't played a ton of games in a Cavs uniform. He had that calf strain. Yeah. The last game I watched where the Cavs lost to the Bulls, I thought he played pretty poorly. Yeah. But the one before that I saw, he wasn't really playing in the fourth quarter. He was on, I didn't know if he was hurt or if he just you know what was going on, but Love was playing really well down the stretch against uh was it Denver? Yeah. Or Sa- San Antonio as well. Yeah, San Antonio. Yeah, they I believe they lost to San An- no, they beat San Antonio and Denver. Yeah. So yeah, they came out of the All-Star break. So yeah, since the All-Star break, and this is pretty crazy. So they won going into the All-Star break, beat Atlanta, which isn't really a thing. But since the All-Star break, they are one, two, three, four, five, six wins. No, five wins and I think seven losses, six mm. losses. You know, which compared to what we were seeing earlier in the year, um, definitely an improvement. Yeah. Um, Kevin Love in that time, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. I mean, that's pretty dang solid. Yeah. Uh, and a plus 3.2 average per game when he's on the floor. So That's good. Let's look at some Andre Drummond in a uh, Cavs uniform. Fast Google in action. Fast basketball reference. He run Cavs the blog. We really um, should have secured a b-ball ref sponsorship years ago. <laughs> so 18 points, 11 rebounds in 28 minutes a night. I mean, nominally that looks good. You know, 1.4 blocks. Um, a D. But here's the thing: an offensive rating of 100. Which in this in the not good, yeah, in, and a D rating of 107, like Ooh, that D rating isn't terrible in today's NBA, especially given is. the rest of the Cavs. But that O rating is yeah. horrible, and yeah, they they have not figured out how to use him um, offensively, and he just does some really ponderous things. He also just seems to get tired really easily and seems kind of lazy. I think he I think he gets frustrated easily too. Oh, I think so too. But I think the other thing is he needs to lose like if he he is not two eighty. Like he needs to lose at least twenty pounds. Yeah. I mean he just looks like he's the slowest guy on the court sometimes. Or not more than sometimes, all the time. Oh yeah. No, I I, I, I totally mean, agree. Ante Zizic looks faster than him. Yeah, no, no. I, and I actually, Ante's played pretty well since coming back from injury. Since coming back from the lamest injury I've ever seen. What was it? Oh, so he got tagged in the back of the head by Mason Plumley because mm. Plumley was like pumping his fist when he celebrated a, 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 a oh. basket. Yeah, and he literally got a concussion, got vertigo, and was out for a month. Mm. Um and. The the worst part about it is they didn't even look at it on replay. Like Mason Plumley didn't even get a tech. <laughs> That's how bad it was. Like, <laughs> and if it had been, you know, a Cavs player, if it had been Tristan Thompson, he'd have got like a three game suspension. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm as we noted on the the podcast the other day, 
all all Plumleys should be banned from the NBA. Yep, for life. <laughs> so let's say let's say the NBA season is just totally canceled. Obviously, that's actually probably not a bad thing for the Cavs, right? I mean, they've got yeah, everybody's healthy. Yeah, well, yeah, and they're just they're did not some, really did some knocking on wood. They're not really going anywhere, right? right. Um, you know, we're not. There's we weren't going to make the playoffs. Draft, I think they're one yeah, of the yeah. three worst teams still. Exactly. Secure so draft what, pick. What, what teams do you feel like is this just really, you know, devastating for? Like, are you thinking? I'm, I'm just thinking. Like, what team would, was this a year where they could have oh, really? Oh, absolutely, Milwaukee. Okay. I thought that might be one of the teams. You yeah. Um, although the weird thing for Milwaukee. Um, the salary cap's going to go way down. Um, and it's going to be a really bad year to be a free agent. And we kind of don't know what the future holds for the NBA because it's, this is going to change the way people act. I mean, the NBA ratings were already down. Um, we already had, you know, talk about what the playoffs are going to look at that. They already talked about the salary cap might go down next year. Salary cap might go way down next year. And if that happens, a lot of these guys that were like, if I'm Giannis Atetokounmpo, I'm maybe signing a big contract extension rather than playing for the uncertainty of the year after this one. Mm. Um, So from that stance, from that stance, um, you know, it wouldn't be a, the worst thing ever from Milwaukee, other than the fact they didn't get to compete for a championship. Oh, I mean, it, it's definitely bad, and I, I feel bad for their fans, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's a very minor inconvenience. Uh, yeah. I mean, who else? Uh, clearly the Lakers, because yep. we've lost LeBron. a year of LeBron's prime. Yep. Um, clearly, it's crazy that we're still in LeBron's prime. <laughs> I, well, I know, right? I mean, he's legit number two in the MVP race. Uh, yeah, yeah, deservedly every, every so. Every Laker fan thinks he should be number one. So, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, and clearly we season. were way off in our preseason over unders on the Lakers. So, yeah, clearly, yep. I, I take the loss there. Um, the Clippers. I think I said I didn't even think they'd make the playoffs, which is yeah, you know, laughably seems, bad. Yeah, now. yeah. I mean, the Clippers clearly. Uh, this hurts them a little bit. Um, although, here's the thing. I think the Clippers might be the team that's in the best situation if they just come back and play the playoffs because yeah. they had some health issues. Yeah, um, and they don't care they, enough about They the looked like the 2017 Cavs um, this year, just loafing yeah, through games. Lo- loafing around, but they got yeah. the top-end talent that... Yeah. When they need to win in a playoff series, they'll be able to turn it on. Yeah, they definitely look like yeah. that. The Nuggets probably the reset helps them because they were playing like garbage. Uh, the Thunder, I, I mean, I think it's a wash for the Thunder. The Rockets were also playing like garbage, so the reset helps them. Mavs probably Mavs can get healthier. Uh, Grizzlies, you know, and then you got the bottom of the West: Grizzlies, Trailblazers, Pelicans. I think that's. All kind of a watch for them. Most people thought the Grizzlies would hold on, um, but yeah, who knows? Uh, for but for everybody else, I mean, it's kind of a wait and see. And obviously, there's one team 
where this whole situation is a freaking disaster right now. And I think you know which team I'm talking about. Uh, the Utah Jazz? Cause yes. They're actually <laughs> sick. And they're in the middle. Of, I mean, Rudy, so this is one of my soapbox items for today's podcast. Oh, one of, my gosh. There's so many. The, the Twitter mob coming after Rudy Gobert. Oh, okay. Not not the route I thought you were going to take. Oh, okay. what, what did you think I was going to I thought you were going to say the Gobert's a dumbass. Well, he is a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. and I no, no, no. I want to hear I, I hate mobs, too. So I, wanna, I, I definitely don't want to time. interrupt you. I definitely don't want to interrupt your yeah. soapbox against mobs. But Because mobs are the worst. But clearly, Rudy Gobert, if he had any inkling any of this was going to happen, would not have been so flippant, would not have behaved the way he did. He's a dumbass, but he's no dumber than millions of Americans. <laughs> than millions of other dumbasses. Yeah, but... Agreed. Agreed. You can't burn the guy at the stake. I mean, come on. Donovan, you shouldn't. You can. You shouldn't. Donovan Mitchell, sick at the same time. Rudy Gobert did not get Donovan Mitchell sick, probably. They probably got it from the same person. Uh-oh. Know, Dun, dun, dun. No, I'm not saying it like anything weird like that. I'm just <laughs> saying could have been a trainer, could have been. <laughs> shut up. Could have been. <laughs> You're the worst. This is why we can't have the Olympics, Nate. Oh, I 100%. Like, that's just, you're just, that's just a Petri dish. Yeah, it's a Petri dish. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, let's hope that just. I mean, you know, I guess my. Remember the layoff, Brittany? Yes. You remember layoff Britney? Well, this as is in, layoff Rudy. As, as in Britney Spears? Yeah. What did remember she the, do? The crying guy is like, leave Britney alone. The oh, YouTube. What did, what did Britney do wrong? Uh, just some social media BS. I don't know. But I think she went into rehab, I think is what it was. But, oh, it was like. One of the many things Britney did, but I mean, it doesn't really matter. There was just a guy crying yelling on youtube saying leave britney alone well this yeah. is me crying saying leave rudy alone Leave Rudy alone. like people are saying he should be in jail and that's what other... oh ab- oh the twitter mob is insane right now tom i feel like the people that would say rudy gobert should be in jail don't believe in jails mm, like, i don't know i mean so what's why... upset with Rudy gobert like other than that he's an idiot i mean what, what why should he be oh. in jail because he endangered people, Tom. That's what they're saying. I mean, not knowingly. I mean, yeah, no, not knowingly. But people you are don't legit to... saying this is what we're going to remember Rudy Gobert for for the rest of his career. And this is, you know, the guy should be in jail. The guy, because, you know, he touched all the mics of all the reporters. Yeah. You heard that whole thing. Okay. Cause I, well, my buddy told me he, he's a manager at a Walmart and he told me like, <laughs> he told me some funny stories like and he was fucking around. Jeez. Oh, people well, messing around before things got super serious. No, like I guess uh cashier like coughed and the person that I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was a woman. The person that the cashier was ringing up started flipping out, like demanding that, the cashier be fired because she coughed and it's just like man people some people need to relax 
you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody needs to freaking relax. I mean, yeah. I'm trying, but the, the watch tweet was clearly. I don't know what the watch tweet was okay, because so Wadge, it up. Because Wadge uh, blocked me like four years ago. Really? Yeah. Well, Wadge is kind of a. Yeah, he's a, he's a prick. And you know who else blocked me? You know who blocked me um, over the China thing? Uh, Matt Moore. Who's the, Matt Moore right for? The hardware paroxysm, HP basketball guy. Oh, that guy's kind of a lunatic. Yeah, yeah he he blocked me because I, I didn't like him defending like Steve Kerr's China comments. So I said something snarky to him, like, you got to know when to, you know, just... I said something like you got to know when you're on the wrong side. Oh of... yeah, take take the take the loss, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, yes, and he blocked me for that. So and it's like, yeah, it's probably probably better. I, that guy annoyed me for like eight years. So oh, absolutely. He did he did me a favor by blocking me. Yeah, I gotta find this tweet. It's it, he might have deleted it too because it's basically that. The tweet was insinuating that there's a big rift between Rudy Gobert and the rest of the jazz players and a lot of the jazz. Oh, I I actually saw something on my feed about that. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'm ignoring anything on my feed. And so basically it's a twofold. First of all, you can't just hold one guy up and say, this guy gave everybody coronavirus because that's not how it works and it's that's ridiculous. Second of all, the guy has been super remorseful. Third, I can't remember what my f- third one was. By singling out a French foreign player, you're just continuing this whole like xenophobic rhetoric that is completely ridiculous when it comes to the virus, you know, and you know, this is Utah where there's a lot of guys in the hills with guns. So, <laughs> well, it's funny because one of the Twitter people I follow um, now is a is basically a or was is I don't know a jazz blogger, and he just covers this all the time. And the, like you think, Cavs fans are nuts. Like imagine the lunacy of Browns fans because in Salt Lake yeah. City, that's oh, all yeah. they have. Right, Browns Com- fans are totally combined crazy. with you know a lot of them are like crazy militia style right wingers or and then hell the, yeah rock on the others the other big set own those own the libs is the other big set is LDS so I mean that's the the Mormons as it, who are who are passionate and have very strong beliefs about the jazz oh. <laughs> About the Utah Jazz? Yeah, it's Utah. It's Salt Lake City. I know, but... No, I just mean in general, they have very strong beliefs. Okay. On Cavs Podcast, we don't make uh, xenophobic generalizations. We make religious generalizations. I said they have strong beliefs. Is that that offensive? Uh, Everything's offensive, Nate. (laughs) I said... I'm, I'm saying many of the people that are on Jazz Twitter are... A little stubborn in their viewpoints and may be difficult to have a constructive dialogue with. Let's put it that way. Well, is, I, is that enough prefer, of a generalization? I for prefer you? passion over milquetoast fans. Oh, I agree, but I also don't like people that all the everything is either a 
a, shit. a mob mentality. No, everything is either a shit post or a high five, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no middle ground. You're either you're either shit posting on somebody or you're or you're owning the libs. But that's what that's like the whole point of social media is no, to, that's not the whole point. That's, that's the end game. We can do better, you, Tom. No, we, we can do better. Yeah, you can do better. You want to know what the one of the one things the coronavirus taught me? You can completely and utterly check out from politics and social media. And if something actually important and impactful happens, you'll find out about it. That you is not, true. You do not need to be like, there's no one right now that doesn't know what the coronavirus is. Oh, yeah. No, and I was, I was talking to my therapist today <laughs> just... about the coronavirus oh yeah because so um i i had some let's just say i had a lot of anxiety led and i basically in october decided i've got to go start seeing a counselor one and so this is my kevin love admitting i have you know mental health i struggle with mental health moment um and so I've gotten down to two every other week now I'm going. So I, I about a month ago, I graduated to go in every other week. So what um, is that like? What you, I, I don't know what this is like. Explain what this whole process is like. Is, do, is it is it cliche? Do you like sit on a couch and lay back and No, talk it's and basically sh- you and me, except I'm talking yeah. about how screwed up my family is. <laughs> with a, but, with but a is it is it party. like me and you? Like, do they rip on you randomly, or are no. they like patronizing? Or no, uh, my my therapist, her name is Amanda. She's a really good listener. Um, okay, and... does a therapist does a therapist is a therapist just act like how they act, or do they try to contort like what they're saying to what they think you need to hear? Like, if they uh, think probably you need 50, tough 50. love, I mean, obviously. They're like, come on, Nate, get in there. Or so, they... no, it's not a life coach. Okay. So, it's obviously, you know, you heard the old cliche the only words you need to know to be a therapist are the words, how does that make you feel? Right, right. <laughs> or, what do like, you, what... or if you ask them what it means, you say, oh, what do you think it means? You know, that kind of right, thing. Right, right. Yeah. But, well, I'm just, you know, thinking of like the Sopranos, right? No, like... it's, it's, I, well, I, didn't never watch The Sopranos. What? Hey, it was, it was too violent for me. That's not why you didn't watch. That's not. It was. Why. What? I feel like you watch all kinds of violent stuff. Yeah, but it was a mental violence. It was hard for me. It the 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 family dynamic and the cruelty and the callousness was was hard for me to deal with. There was something that just really was off putting in in that show and I I wasn't comfortable watching it. It didn't make me feel better well, about a, myself having watched it. It's a it well that that is fair. There was a Foxtrot uh comic strip where the mom who throughout like the whole series is like a, you know, pretty uh you know, typical American mom starts, they just start showing like bleeped out words and just daily life. She's like swearing about everything. And the dad and all the kids are like, what the heck has gotten into mom? And then finally they realized she started watching the Sopranos. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, well, it's funny because last week I, uh, I have Xbox game pass and I started, um, 
playing Grand Theft Auto Five, which was on Xbox Game Pass, and that is like the same thing. I mean, that game is freaking vile, and yeah. and it's like, and I've actually had to quit that game because it's just too much. There's literally a mission where you have to torture someone, and I was like, okay, I'm out after yeah. this. I'm not not doing this. Um. But anyway, so the last time I saw her before today was two weeks ago, and I basically said, you know, my wife and I are fighting about the coronavirus. She's like, well, it's just a glorified flu. And I'm like, well, you know, and you don't want to have, you know, big, giant uh, epidemiological, did I say that right, discussions with your therapist that last 15 minutes and go on the kind of tangent you and I go on because you are paying by the hour. So I just kind of (laughs) lost over it. So I just kind of glossed over it. And, and unlike our listeners who do not pay for this, so we can, no, we can no. talk about this for hours. And we have. but And all you can do is turn us off. That's the only power you have. <laughs> yeah. and You don't even know how to complain to us for our crappy content. Oh, uh, we No, I know somebody who knows how to complain. Well, yeah, there's one guy, but... <laughs> Hasn't he gotten bored of that, or is he still... No, he was back, like, last week. That was the best. That was the best, like... The Cavs are playing really well, and it just... I wanted him to show up just to dunk on him for Delhi. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of dunked on, Jamail Hill dunked on you today? Okay, yeah, so let me finish my... Finish the therapist. Are you going to have to talk to your therapist about Jamail Hill dunking on you next time you go? Um... Are so you that over literally it? happened. Uh, did it happen all, before I was going into? Th- I think it was happening after I left. Is you I should either feel bummed or special that Jamail Hill dunked on you because uh, she oh, so replies to everyone about everything. Oh, I know. Well, she's I, like me. I do the same thing. Like she is like the pinnacle. I mean, she's the perfect example of something. Someone that thinks everyone cares like what she thinks about everything oh yeah like, no she, mean, and that's probably why she irritates me so much yeah is because she's so much like me in that regard like <laughs> she thinks stick to sports is an evil mantra and it's like yeah some people are saying it from a hey we don't actually want to hear you talk about this because we don't agree with you but there's a little bit of wisdom to like not everyone has something you, valuable to say about everything. You and are not I, an expert on everything. She thinks, I mean, from my, oh, I haven't actually yeah. followed her in a year. Okay, but, so now, God, see, you're getting me all out of order, but anyway. Oh, no, all right, all right, back, forget Jamel Hill. Back to the therapist. <laughs> so what was the original I'm, question? Just like, what is this like? Because so, I don't. So anyway, I'm, I'm talking for- about how the coronavirus, and clearly everything has changed in the last two weeks right. since I talked to her. And I'm just like. And I'm a little bit like, to her, I'm a little bit like, you know, I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So maybe next time you should flip the script and be like, well, how does it make you feel that I dunked it? I don't do that. No, it's it's a lot of times, like, I've gone in there and just blabbed for 45 minutes before she hardly says a word. And she just takes notes and talks to me and nods. And, you know, sometimes you need that. You know, I feel like that would be very helpful to me because when I have to verbally articulate my thoughts, it actually helps me organize them better than when I'm just thinking oh, about absolutely. them. absolutely. I've sat with her and made to-do lists before, um, you know, prioritize my work projects. <laughs> um, it's 
you know, we can talk about anything and everything. Oh, we don't talk about everything. I'm I'm still pretty guarded about a lot of stuff. So yeah. But um, you know, I I have talked about. Well, I've talked about my screwed up parents and uh, my uh, my upbringing that is a little crazy. So I I def I've talked about all those things in there. So you know, I just let it rip for the most part. Um. And and a little bit of a precedent because my wife and I went to couples counseling like ten eleven years ago for a while, and I think it was more for me than my wife. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's definitely was that. Helps. You think that was valuable? Um. Oh, hundred percent. Oh, okay. we 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 were not doing well for a while. Yeah. So and that. So what? What? what I mean, if you if you don't mind me asking, oh, like, what that help you with? Like what, what was it? I mean, did it give you like tips or habits or mechanics? So to my wife and I were problems just had so many things that we was weren't even talking about. Okay. Um, and clearly I was dealing with mental health issues that I was refusing to deal or not refusing, but just in denial that they were an issue. Yeah. Um, you know, depression, that kind of thing. Um, and so that helped me immensely. And obviously when one person in a marriage is severely depressed, it's not easy to be in a marriage <laughs> with sure. that person. Um, sure. so that was a big help. And also we just weren't communicating on a lot of things, um, and having kind of a person there to poke me and to poke each other and, uh, was helpful and also somebody who says hey you know this person's trying you got to listen even though you know and I'm normally with you and them it just might not happen but uh but you know we we graduated from that and then so now here I am 10 years later the 10 7 years later I guess um talking about all this other stuff and so yeah I just go and I talk and whatever comes up comes up. Cause I mean, I worked through most of my family history already and I worked through, you know, kind of the source of my environment. I practice meditation. Um, although I don't practice in the office, she just gave me the YouTube video. Um, so, um, what, what's the YouTube video? Um, sympathetic breathing by the quiet mind cafe. So it has been very helpful for me for focusing and, uh, mm. And relieving anxiety, so nice, <laughs> yeah. So all this new wave crap, although it's not really new wave because I'm a hundred percent. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's. It, I think all that kind of stuff, um, whether it's you know some ways new wave or not. I think just in general, we don't have a lot of moments in our lives where something's not distracting us so having having like forced quiet i think you know where you're i mean i i notice so often now i mean i'm addicted to my cell phone like i can't yeah i can't go take a dump i can't (laughs) sit in a waiting room i can't last like 30 seconds without well for some reason i haven't done anything in the last 30 seconds i'll check my phone and it's just like this is the one i'm describing today where you go to pick up your phone because it buzzed and then you see the last thing you had on there and you're like oh shit somebody responded my twitter feed so you're not even like i can't even imagine because i don't have any social media on my phone none and i still feel like my phone 
is the bane of happiness. So if you've got like Twitter <laughs> well, and crap, now I'm gonna feel bad every blowing time I up your phone. You. No, I don't mind messages from you because at least you're a real person, and we can. <laughs> you're not just. I'm not. You're uh, not. Do you get just someone that annoys me on Twitter, dude? Nate, imagine how much we would hate each other if we didn't know each other personally. All we knew was like what we tweeted. Oh yeah, it would. We we wouldn't get along at all. No. Yeah, it's it. It would be crazy. Well, and because you and I are very different lenses, um, politically, and you know, from a mindset standpoint, and generation generationally, a little bit. But I I don't know. I I'm a little bit atypical in that I'm pretty left leaning, even though I eschew the left right paradigm. Right, I know you do. (laughs) But the funny thing is, is like it's a great cop out when I feel like I'm winning an argument. (laughs) The funny thing is, like almost everybody in my family, um, outside of like me and a couple cousins, are very staunch. Like my dad's family is all staunch Irish Catholics, and my um, mom's family is very. evangelical Christian Mm. and as well as my brother is literally a minister. Um, so it's, it's very, um, I'm very atypical, but I'm also used to dealing with those, with people that don't share my political views. So it, God, I feel like all I'm doing this podcast is patting myself on the back, which is ridiculous. I'm just saying, you know, I I do. Don't worry, have, I'll keep you humble. I'll keep you humble. Thank you. I do have some empathy there, and I I enjoy relating to people that have different viewpoints in me. Well, I, I think can you concur. have to. I can concur. I wouldn't say you're patting yourself on the back. I would say you're you're accurately appraising yourself <laughs> in this you. situation. <laughs> Thank you. But and honestly, I think America could learn from us because yeah. If you distill this down to, well, not that I really tweet anymore, but if you distill this down to tweets and Facebook posts and sound bites, and we never met in the flesh, I mean, we would just not, I mean, at the, I'm not saying we would start sending each other death threats because neither of us are <laughs> wired that way, but at the very least, we uh, would be No, extremely... I, I would send you a death threat and then apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never sent anyone a death threat. I will say Maybe. that. I'm, I'm like, I've never yeah. even I've never even like wished ill on someone because yeah. I like, just feel like I mean just don't don't do that. It's just you know. But yeah, my um, new move is like when I'm just super frustrated, I'll just be like, "Well, let's just agree to disagree, and I hope good luck to you and have a blessed day." <laughs> yeah, so I I have decided not to add anyone that I know in the flesh on social media <laughs> yeah um, i have very much i've met that i've met yeah. in the last like three or four years because i started noticing that it was like people whether i worked with or whatever and i didn't have them on social media and i saw them every day and the reason i didn't have them on social media is because i didn't go to college with them or i wasn't a high school friend with them or they weren't in my family and then for a couple of them they started like hitting me up for friend requests which made sense because like well i see you every day so yeah why wouldn't we be facebook friends I took one look at like a bunch of their posts and I was like, ah, I was like, <laughs> no. Oh, like, and I'm, I, I, I know, know I am totally that person for so many people now too. I was like, I, I was like, I didn't know you, you know, I didn't know this is what I was going to find. And so I just oh, yeah. was like, reject. I'm like, you know what? No, I, I'm just, because you know what? 
you are who you are at work and you are who you are on oh, Facebook. Yeah. I don't you are, who you are with your friends and that's fine. You can, you know, and I'm not going to act like, you know, I'm not going to choose for you who you are. You act a certain way every day from nine to five around me. And when I see you outside of work, and so that's a decent part of who you are. I'm not going to like allow myself to not like you because of what you post when you're in some kind of weird rage, you know, at, at 11 o'clock. <laughs> what was it I said last night just on social media? It was like, this has been, somebody said to me, this has been this way for three years. Why do you keep posting about it? And I, I said, I just like to yell into oh, yeah, the void. That was, that was your buddy Brian. Yeah, I just like to yell into the void. Thanks for yelling back. <laughs> is, it, is it Brian that I like? That's your friend? Which one's I your friend? So. That I'm yeah. like, yeah, that dude knows what he's talking about. You need to listen to him more. Oh, uh, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Definitely... Me and Brian, me and Brian keep you humble, man. Oh, I have a lot of people that keep me humble. Mostly it's my kids. So, yeah. But. At least you have some people that keep you humble that love you, Nate. Oh, they're not, Jesus. And not just looking to poke you in the eye. Oh, no, I mean, I, I try. But, you know, I 100%, like, I don't add anyone on social media anymore that I work with. Like, yeah, I had a, a hard idea. time, um, like, even telling people that I write for this blog. And then because, like, nominally, I don't put my name on my Facebook account. Or my Twitter account, but nominally, if you did a little bit of research, you could figure out what my... Yep. I mean, let's just say that, like, in the last two days, I've probably been more distracted by social media than it is probably work-appropriate. Um, but I think anybody living through these times now is probably has a little bit of empathy about that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of a weird time. <laughs> yeah, it's a little odd. So that said, I would encourage you to stop because I don't think it is gonna. I don't think it's healthy. No, I agree with you, man, a hundred percent. So the other thing being, like, I'm literally going. I think they have apps where you can like ban yourself from Twitter. I'm, I'm gonna like for <laughs> a certain app amount for of that. time. <laughs> there is an app for that. For a certain amount of time, it'll lock you out of your Twitter account and then set your password back to what it was. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna I I'm. I'm strongly contemplating that, Tom. <laughs> Go for it. I'm going to send that idea sternly with a letter. You, you need, to, <laughs> no, you need to listen to or read Deep Work. Yeah. So By Cal Newport. That's so, what I'm pitching to. We're getting that out of the way right now. I'm pitching Deep Work by Cal Newport. Okay. So tell me about what this is a choose your own adventure. Are we talking Cal Newport right now? Yes. Or are we talking <laughs> Jamel Hill? <laughs> I'll talk to Mel Hill briefly. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so I got to wade through. Well, why don't why while I cue this up, you talk about Cal Newport. Okay, well, I don't know who Cal Newport is, but he wrote a book called Deep Deep Work. And honestly, if you can sort of stomach the uh, kind of East Coast um, elitism where everyone he talks about is some like, you know, Ivy league professor or whatever. It's really an outstanding book for our age. And, you know, in general, the thesis is that we live in a time where the key skill that you want to have is the ability to manipulate machines. Um, so whether that is like you're a factory worker and, you know, there's, automated tooling or whatever you want to know how to wield that to your advantage um 
or you could take it to kind of more extremes and be like, hey, there's AI and you know all this stuff. And so you know you don't want to necessarily just be the person that has to live in that world. You want to be the person that um, you know, if you want to get ahead, you want to know how to use these new tools and understand these new processes, and that will allow you to get ahead. So that's kind of like, you know, the uh, we're going to presuppose that that in the in the sort of the digital knowledge economy um, with automation and machines, that's what you want to be valuable, and that you know in the age of globalization. You know, if you can do that, you have a huge market. You have a huge ability to add value in a variety of places. Um, and then here's the kicker, though. Actually really, it's actually really hard stuff. It's not easy. It's not like, you know, working at a factory in, like, the 1930s where they could probably teach you in an hour, like, how to do your job. And then, really, you're going to get good at it and just show up and do it for the next 30 years. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, and you'll, this your is value, very much... The Jetsons joke of what they thought the future would be, like you would just show up and push a button and that would be your day's work. Yes. And, and so basically sprockets. People used to measure productivity in, in that kind of way. Like it's very easy to measure productivity of people that are producing like, you know, widgets or parts. It's like how many parts per hour can you produce? Well, that's, you know, the economy in America especially is different nowadays. So, you know, he kind of describes, you know, what, you know, what, is a way to get ahead um, for a lot of people in different jobs. And then he goes on to say, like, this stuff's not easy. It's actually really hard. And it changes. So it not only is it hard right now, it's just continuously hard. And then he goes on to basically say that learning how to learn difficult skills is um, not just an innate you know, talent. It's actually a discipline. And it requires concentration, and it requires the ability to focus, and that those are things that are in short supply. And the modern uh, economy and the modern business world is to act like anything that's on the internet is inherently good. It's like almost like a religion. <laughs> yeah. And so, and from a from the perspective of the internet age. There's this assumption that anything that's a tool that adds any value whatsoever should be embraced. And then he talks about how, like, if you were a farmer or a craftsman, just because someone invented a new tool that does a thing doesn't mean you rush out and spend a bunch of money on it. You would think about, you know, is this what's the cost benefit here? What's the risk reward? And he says, we don't do that. It's just, oh, look, it's Twitter. It's Instagram. It's whatever. We, we find some inherent value that it has, and that is enough justification for us to wet ourselves to it. And so he hates you know, that idea. He kind of debunks that piece by piece. There's a lot of scientific studies that you know, he quotes from to describe a lot of different concepts, some that are new, some that are old, to basically get into why you need to figure out how to be less distracted. And once you do that, you can become more productive, and it's not easy, and it's definitely not easy today where – I mean, he, he, he uses some really interesting examples. He talks about, like, the New York Times encouraging their journalists to tweet twice a day. And he's like, they're, they're, they're telling people whose job it is 
to do like deep research on these challenging topics to understand them. And we're trifling these people with, you know, get out there on Twitter twice a day and say something. Because that's what we want to do. We want to have a social media well, presence. And, and we want to build a brand. We want to build a brand. Exactly. And he says, this is ridiculous. And so then he talks about, I think, like Neil Stevenson and a couple other people and uses them as examples of, you know, call them Luddites if you want. But these people have rejected all of this. Michael Lewis was the other one. They don't. I mean, some of them, who's, they don't my, who's Michael Lewis? You know, the guy that wrote uh, The Big Short and oh, okay. Black. Yeah, it. Neil Stevenson wrote um, <laughs> Cryptonomicon, Cryptonomicon, and, and lots um, of other books. But he's oh, a what's highly, the big. But oh, I'm trying to think of the big cyberpunk book. He's a highly prolific writer. Michael yeah. Lewis is a highly prolific writer, and he's like, guess what? These guys don't have any social media presence. They don't, you know, they don't feel the need to just answer emails all day. And so, it's not just pontificating. It's not just philosophy. There's a lot of really great tips, and I've already started doing some of these tips, and they've been extremely helpful. The one that's been the most helpful for me is how to shut off from work, like how to – when you go home, go home. Don't be like – don't take work with you in your mind um, home, and that's been a huge challenge for me, especially the last two years. And I'm not saying like everything's fixed. I'm just saying there's some really good tips for how to do that in the book and – I just think it's outstanding, and I think everyone should would benefit from from listening to it or reading it, especially. Wow. I'm I'm gonna definitely read it now. Yeah, because I have so. Yeah, and that's so there's a lot of that. Like another couple interesting things that I should mention is this concept of you don't have unlimited attention, and no, that's you like don't. Sci- that's like scientifically proven, and when you spend any of your attention on like social media feeds or on oh i got my my phone bleeped because i got an email like i gotta go look at that every time you do that you you know you use up a little bit of your attention that you have that day yeah and so it takes a lot of attention to focus on something deeply and so especially a complex topic Exactly. And then he thought he gets into context switching, which makes me, you know, I've, I've read a lot about this lately about context switching. I know some people that are um, kind of zealots about how terrible it is to do context switching. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to context, think context switching. Okay. Cause it, it, I couldn't tell if you were saying that or contact. No, okay, no context. So you're, it's you're that, working. It's that Cincinnati accent you're getting. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm getting it. It's work, you're working on one thing and then you <laughs> switch gears. And it just, it, it, it's proven over and over that it's just, um, well, first of all, I think they've, they've realized that for the vast majority of people, this idea of multitasking is, is kind of a myth. You can really only do about two things at once. Once yeah. you start getting into trying to do three things at once, it just doesn't work that way. You don't have that many threads no. in your brain to like deal with all that. No. Um, but context switching is this idea that, well, you know, I'll be focusing on this thing that's really hard, but then like, oh, I just got an email. Am I coming to the meeting tomorrow? I better quick like answer this to kind of get it off my plate, and then I'll get back to what I was doing. Um, well, your brain doesn't work that way, and no. you're not going to get back into the zone that you were in. You just won't. And so it got me thinking about, are we doing education all wrong? Like where kids go to school and every like 40 to 45 minutes, they're completely switching subjects. 
does it make more sense to spend like a whole week on one topic and then move on to the next topic? And I don't know the answer. I'm sure lots of smart people have been debating this. Yeah, I don't, I don't even, know the answer to that either because I don't even know what the debate like where it's at. I just know that I know for my own daughter, um, you know, she's very well liked by her teachers. Now, how school. old is she? She's going to be turning eight. Okay, but but every single year, what a fun the age, one comment, by the way, the one it is the one comment that she's been getting on all of her report cards is not being presented as just you know like a terrible thing, but basically like you know she has trouble, um, like stopping what she's doing. And, you know, and it's sort of a, a little bit wading into the behavioral thing where it's like, look, if it's time for everyone to you know, move on to the next thing, you know, she resists that. And we've, it's been the same story, every teacher year over year. And we know at home that we struggle with that sometimes. It's like, it's dinner time. And it's like, oh, but I just got to finish this book, finish this painting. I'm drunk. She very much resists stopping what she's doing. She's a completionist, right? And it just got me thinking like there's the logistics of school where you can't teach, you know, 20 some odd kids and they can just decide when they start and stop their activity, right? I get that. But at the same time, does that act, is that actually good to be training people how to just stop what they're doing before they're, they're ready to finish? I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm been, I've been thinking about this a little bit lately. So, so I will definitely comment on that. So a couple things. I work, I'm a system admin, and... I'm also next tier support on a lot of stuff and it is a social media is not good for me when I'm at my best. I completely am tuning it out during the day and then I'll just like look at it for an hour for 20 minutes uh, sometime in the evening and at doing it in bed is not good for me either because I'll just sit there and do it and do it and do it. Um, that being said, uh, work is very much like that. Like I have, I make a joke where I work that you're not really multitasking unless you're doing three things because you're always doing two things at once. Yeah. Um, but I'll be in meetings, um, and I'll be working on another issue and I might as not, I might as well, excuse me, not even being, be in the meeting. Like it's just, there's no point for even me to be in there because I'm not hearing anything. I'm not paying attention to anything. I'm focusing on like an emergent issue that I have to solve at that point. Right. And that's so hard to context switch and, and do all this stuff. And so what I end up doing is I will work on one thing until something distracts me. And then I go work on that other thing. And then the next thing distracts me and I go work on that other thing. And you never actually get back to the first thing that you started on, it's very much like <laughs> this conversation thread where it's all <laughs> tangents g- going at, after that one tangent to another tangent to another tangent. And so this is one place where the brain absolutely quieting your mind and meditation um and meditation, I don't say it as any kind of, you're not saying, you know, um, that kind of thing. It's like, basically, it's breathing and focusing on where you are in the moment, focusing on what your body feels like. One of the things is like, feel the air around your body, be present in where you are and what, don't think about other things and just 
focus on your breathing and totally just quiet out your mind. Like it's like a reset for your brain. And it's crazy because you don't think like in the moment, oh, I, I can put that off. I can put that. I don't need to do that. And then you do it and you're like, I feel like a somebody just scrubbed out all the garbage that was in my brain and I feel reset. Yeah. And it it's super weird. Um and, and it's cool. Um I tried to do it in bowling a little bit. Um, because that's kind of my athletic endeavor at this point, athletic in quotes. Um, and if you can do it and focus, it, it has helped me immensely. It also, um, like when you're bowling really well, you start to get nervous and worry about screwing up the next frame and all. Well, same kinda, with golf. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, like that golf. Yeah. And it helps you kind of focus on the next thing. So, yeah. It's definitely, I would definitely recommend meditation to anyone. I've tried to get my daughter into it, uh, and we have unbelievably, my oldest daughter, similar personalities, and I just can't, um, I can't even get her to listen. Although, hold on, we're still recording here. Let me see where we're at with the recording. Sorry, Tom. That's all right. Oh, no, we're still recording. We're good. Um, so... Yeah, that's definitely, uh, definitely quiet mind cafe. Uh, sympathetic breathing is a great exercise to get started with meditation. So, I gotta move further in my journey there. And everybody always talks about uh, mindfulness, and that's a hard concept to explain and a hard concept to master. But I'm trying, I guess. So, yeah, and I think that very much goes along with deep work. So I'll definitely read that. Yeah, I highly recommend it. So the, the the Jamel Hill story goes very much in keeping with the jazz story. So so there was a story about in the Daily Beast about how the jazz used twenty percent of uh, the state of Oklahoma's tests for COVID nineteen. And I think they tested 58% of that, and that was 60% of their daily capacity. Um, And so the basic caveat of this takeaway was that the Jazz didn't pay for it, the state paid for it, and, you know, people that, oh, only rich people get it, and this was kind of a travesty of justice that it should have gone to people that needed the test and not the Utah Jazz, who were in Oklahoma City for a game. And so my response was, as people who travel a ton and come into contact with a very large amount of people, this wasn't completely inappropriate, is what I said, basically. And so Jamel Hill's um, 415-liked response, who said, so everybody who has a job with heavy travel should move to the front of the line, question mark, because I guarantee this ain't happening for somebody who were happening for somebody who works in sales. <laughs> and so kind of my uh, response to that is basically I'm going to trust a that by testing one of my responses was that by testing these guys during a highly visible moment, they created awareness and helped create an inflection point for taking this seriously, which absolutely 
Rudy Gobert. It's so ridiculous. Rudy Gobert and Tom Hanks were like the two people that had people start taking the virus seriously. Um, yeah. And I'm just basically going to say I hope the state of Oklahoma used good judgment and I'm not going to like second guess everything they did and make it a giant social justice cause of, you know, that these guys got tested because we don't know. Well, I I guess I'm missing something here because there's no cure. So getting tested, I mean, I don't understand the rich poor thing. Like, well, there's a lot of people who I like you don't get saved because you got tested versus you didn't get tested. Well, it is much easier to figure out whether you need therapy or not if you do get tested. We'll say that. I mean, um, you, what do you mean? I mean, if, it's a it's it's a virus, so right. If it but they bad. If it gets bad, and you, you may need, have to go on oh, a ventilator absolutely. or. Well, that's what yeah. I'm saying. But yeah. the test isn't gonna. The test doesn't have anything to do with that because you get tested, you could seem perfectly fine. It's like, oh, you got it, and it's like, oh, okay. But no, a hundred percent. You could get a fever and be not doing great, and you know, I'm, I guess I'm just missing. It's not like no, uh, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you on that. And the other part of that being, you know, there, I think part of it is there's a lot of people. The mob wants to be tested, and I have no problem. I'm of the opinion that the 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 fact that North that South Korea is testing ten thousand people a day, and we've tested ten thousand, is a national disgrace. And it is a emblematic of our failing as a country and how we've lost ground as the ability as a country that can actually get things done. It's a ridiculous statement on our national capacity, but that's not here nor there about this Oklahoma City situation. It's we don't even know if there was somebody waiting for tests that couldn't get it. Oklahoma City, I have no idea. And then somebody said, well, they could have shipped those tests to other states. And I'm like, that logistically, that doesn't make a ton of sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't know, okay, are you shipping the blood? Are you shipping the tests? Like, how's all that work? Nobody, you know, I'm going to err on the side of caution of, Whatever. you know, or on the side of, you know, these guys are doing the best they can. Right. Cut them some slack. Yep. <laughs> And that's like, something that everyone needs to just start doing. Everyone's just so ready to jump down snap. each other's throats. Yeah, it's yeah. like just everyone needs to recognize. That's the one I think positive about all this is it's like no one gets a pass, right? It's not like, well, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a like a flu virus, so. Yeah. There well, is if you're a, super rich, you can fly to your bunker and stay in your bunker until... And you might still get it, like Tom Hanks did. I mean, you well, know... he that, didn't... He was on a tour in Australia. We're talking We're talking the Elon Musks of the world who probably hold up hold up in their cyber truck. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe he is, maybe he's not. But if know. he's breathing the same air, um, he could get it, so... That's, and I think it's going to force everyone possible. to think through what's discretionary and what's not. Because right now, you know, we're closing Vegas and Disney World and all these things. And we're making anything non... We're taking anything discretionary and saying, cancel it um, yeah. for the for, you know for the next couple months. And, you know, it hurts the economy. It's going to hurt a lot of people. It's definitely going to hurt a lot of... Uh, just a lot of people. But at the same time... Um, 
I think we could learn some valuable lessons. Oh, yeah. And things will not be the same when we get back to normal. I mean, some things that were on the brink of going away are just going to have gone away. You know. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the one, if you want to try to look on the bright side, um, I would agree that not only are, you know, agencies and people unprepared, but just, um, like, we're all not really sure. We're kind of like walking around in the dark blind with, you know, feeling around with our hands. But um, as bad as this thing is, it's, you know, it's not, it's not the apocalypse, right? It's not... Yeah. Like uh, oh, the movie, not, it's not like the movie Outbreak, right? So no, but and they, it's not the measles or no, it's not the measles. The and, and so, or polio. Um, so if yeah. if another thing comes, it's not along, SARS. SARS yeah, was much worse. If another thing comes along that's way more, you know, deadly. Hopefully, we'll have learned some lessons, um, you know, over the next couple months that it won't be our first rodeo. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so that's that, that's one one way to look on the bright side. Which is might, we're getting a, we're getting sort of a a mild pandemic um, that needs to be taken seriously. That you know maybe it's a little bit of a a nice um, preseason game. You know, it's kind of like I'm not trying to make light of yeah, it. I'm yeah, just saying maybe like, we should not worry. Well, I'm just saying like uh, even that if much about screw, Colin Sexton shot selection. Even if we screw everything up here, you know. It, a lot of people are going to die, but it's not going to be um, the Spanish flu. You know what I mean? It's not going to yeah. be that level of decimation. And so maybe we'll figure out, hey, next time, you know, you 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 want these in place. You know, you want yeah. you want oh, to even get me started on your timelines that you want to you know um, conduct for different activities and. Because it feels like a lot of people are reacting, right, to, yeah. to stuff. Well, we're a very reactive country, Tom. Uh, we, I mean, we have a reactive healthcare system. We don't have a proactive healthcare. System. So it's we we or not completely. So yeah, we're gonna react. I mean, so I'll say now this should start us all thinking about what other things are out there that you know we really ought to be hedging against and you know, have preparedness for, you know, a lot of people talk about asteroids, um, yeah. you know, climate change, that kind of thing, you know? So, and that's another podcast, probably yeah. not on this website, but <laughs> I think but, climate yeah. change is, I think climate change is different because it's slower. Well, so. and, and that's almost what I feel like this is a microcosm of that. Like we've seen this coming, if you were following the story since January and it just slowly builds and then all of a sudden it hits all at once. And that's the way that exponential growth works. Right. Is, you know, it, it's very in keeping with that, but it's also like that's a microcosm of, well, yeah, that think of the last two months as decades, you know, is every week is a decade uh, in climate change, where are we going to be at in 80 years? You know, that it's the same kind of like everything's happening in an even slower motion in that case. So uh, just something to think about. And I we, were talking about we were talking oh. about how we all need to plant more trees. Hey, I absolutely 100%. Yeah, that's a good. For, yeah. 
Everyone John Denver told us when we were kids, plant a tree, <laughs> share the wonder. <laughs> we need to celebrate Arbor Day again. Dude, man. <laughs> I uh, I donate to the Arbor Day Foundation every year. Do you? Nice. I do. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of trees that I've planted at my old house that I don't live at anymore. <laughs> no, I, should, I love trees. I should get a, I should get a, I should get a bunch. I'm, that's what I'm pitching on this podcast. I'm pitching trees. Plant, plant a, tree. a tree. Yeah. What's your favorite tree? Oh, or my favorite tree? Name, oh, I've age, got so many favorite love. trees. So I'm a huge birch tree fan. Because, oh, river birch or white birch? Any, any kind of birch, just because there's not a lot of them in Ohio um, that I am familiar with but they're everywhere in alaska so they yeah. definitely something that reminds me of home yeah um, birch birch are beautiful trees but they're maples the, are gorgeous the the white birches in ohio have get that borer which makes them hard yeah. to keep alive the river birches are really hardy but i don't think they're <laughs> pretty welcome to tree talk on cats <laughs> we've got we've got two river birches in our front yard um at our new house so that do they peel off the bark yeah like, yeah they the got the okay. exfoliating bark yep yeah that that you could use it for paper when yeah the the pioneers would you know um, one of my favorite trees is actually considered a weed tree well, a <laughs> actually actually two of my trees Wait, is a sycamore a weed tree? Then yeah, three of my trees are weed yeah, trees. Yeah, somebody told me a sycamore is a weed tree. We uh, get juniper. sycamores I like sprouting juniper. up over by our shed all the time, and I got to pull them out. Or they'll yeah, just well, take, take over. They grow so damn fast. Sycamores are how people na- used to navigate because um, you could get up on top of a hill and figure out where all the waterways were because the sycamore trees at the top are pure white Nice, because um, it exfoliates at the top first. And so, because sycamore always want to be near water, and they can grow, like, in water, you can very easily figure out, like, where the creeks and rivers are from just getting up high and being like, where's the white at? And that's... Don't go chasing waterfalls, Tom. Listen to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. (laughs) That's right. Oh, I'm trying to think of what are the big trees that grow in the dune in Michigan. That's going to drive me nuts. Um, but yeah, the other tree I love is maple. We had a Japanese maple at my old house and it was just, it would bloom every year with these purple leaves. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, yeah, I'm a big, uh, big maple tree fan. I love the red leaves for sure. Uh, cottonwoods. Cottonwoods. Oh, I hate cottonwoods. Well, cottonwoods are crazy. Because in Michigan, they'll be on the top of like these two, three hundred foot dunes and their roots will go down all the way to the, you know, where the water is underneath these dunes, two, three hundred feet down. And they actually what they end up doing is anchoring the dune, which is actually really cool. That's good. Yeah. Well, in Ohio, cottonwoods give you all that white crap all over your lawn (laughs) they're very messy trees they drop branches like crazy and they're actually very weak so that tornado that ripped through dayton and on memorial day last year every cottonwood tree snapped in half and they're gigantic trees so they're heavy they're gigantic and they're weak so high winds bust them in two or shear them off and uh, unlike, you know, some trees are very strong, even in heavy winds. So, yeah, cottonwoods, no bueno. <laughs> you know, the best, one of the best trees was the ash, which unfortunately the is basically boar, yeah. going extinct um, 
in America, thanks to thanks to China. Oops. <laughs> yeah. My, well, and then we have my my plant xenophobia. In in Alaska, the big problem is the spruce beetle will kill the the spruce trees, and they dry them out when they kill them, and so they basically just turn into like bombs like they just almost explode when the uh forest fires roll oh, because they're yeah. so dry it's kind of crazy so oh, yeah, that yeah. Is tree talk on tree talk tree talk so okay so we got to wrap this pot up what okay. um are you so what are your plans for the next few weeks like as you're well you know i am sequestering I am, are you working very, out I'm or very, are you working at home I'm blessed and fortunate, and I will never say privileged because that word triggers me. <laughs> but I am I am blessed and fortunate that I work at a job that um, I'll continue collecting my paycheck, and we have policies yeah. for working remotely. So we'll be able in to a be a similar f- situation. And my wife's we'll be, in healthcare, so she's not going anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be able to work effectively. My wife, you know, stays home with the children, so I'm not gonna suffer like a lot of workers and trying to scramble to find, you know, childcare and the schools are closed. So for me, um, it's probably actually going to be kind of a relaxing three weeks and I'm looking forward to taking advantage of a couple of things and I'm probably going to try to refinance my house. So yeah, thank you. They dropped the prime rate. Well, right now they've dropped rates so much that, uh, banks can't actually keep up with the amount of right. refi applications. Yeah. So you can't actually get a great rate right now because yeah. of artificial bank inflation of yeah. the interest rates. So I'm going to wait that out a little bit and hopefully yeah, it'll drop back down. Did they, the prime's still at 0.5, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. But this I heard is... that it might go down to zero. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, we'll talk offline. I, I don't understand the point of that. I don't. As as a guy I follow on Facebook or on Twitter, Matt Stoller says you can't print a vaccine, so you know, fiscal policy can only do so much, and monetary policy. So anyway, I'm I'm off my soapbox. So yeah, for for the next five minutes. So yeah, I, well I'll pitch, I'll pitch something. I was talking to my sister tonight. She works at the Cleveland Clinic, and she actually said, you know, I'm not rah rah about you know, Cleveland Clinic or whatever, but I, she said, I'm, I'm very proud of lately, like how we've handled this. I guess the CEO made, um, all outpatient stuff canceled. Um, and then like her husband is a doctor at the Cleveland Clinic and he's, um, doing all these like tele, um, you know, like video chat appointments. Um, and he took all their researchers and, um, like a week and a half ago and said, we got to come up with a better test. And I yeah, guess yeah. the test they came up with is they can get results in like eight hours. As so opposed is that to, really true? Because I heard that wasn't true. So that is true. Well, that's what she told me tonight. Okay. Well, I'm going to believe it since she is a, um, um, so she was saying Cleveland clinic was doing a great job with the uh, stuff and that they're gearing up because, you know, it hasn't hit yet, right? The, the the fear is that the there's not enough hospital beds and all that. And but the point is, the hospital beds aren't overflowing right now with coronavirus patients. But the fear is that you know how bad be. how bad will it be when they will? Yeah. yeah. So 
Yeah, no, I'm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So, yeah, I don't have a ton to pitch. I mean, uh, pitching meditation is. <laughs> um, I haven't seen a ton of movies, or I need to read books more. That's on my list of things to do. I need to write. I've I've got an article or two. I need to write, but this was cathartic a little bit. Um, yeah, agreed. Um, and I miss writing. I I really want to get on a podcast with uh with EG at some point. Oh, I know. And, I miss uh, EG. Oh, I tried to get Simo on the other day, and <laughs> that I couldn't get him on. But we've been emailing back and forth a little bit, and he just is a great source of uh wisdom in in a in a storm of uncertainty. Yeah, hey, we need <laughs> to talk to Simo soon because he's uh. Is he a microbiologist? No, he is a. So I, I, I can say this on the podcast because he posted it. He is a, vi, he is a uh, epidemiologist, fo, uh, fo, a viral epidemiologist focusing okay, so, in vaccines. So like literally, so this is very much he's in like his wheelhouse. The, yeah, it's very unlike Jamil Hill. It's very much in his wheelhouse to talk about <laughs> this stuff. And yeah. he also Delhi's resurgence is very much in his wheelhouse. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's super fun. So we but, miss you, Simo. I hope we can have you on a pod and uh miss everybody involved with the blog and uh we're not going away. Yeah. Um so I and if you're not, if you're feeling sick, don't go hang out with Nomad. Yeah. Or, yeah, hey, stay home if you feel sick. Even if you don't feel sick and you don't need to go out, you know, social distancing for now until we hear better and we feel like we're turning a corner. Also, um, oh, what was the other thing I was going to pitch? Um, yeah, if you guys have ideas on podcast topics or things you want to talk about, the draft, whatever. Um, oh, know. I want to pitch like that. my pitch deepest uh, condolences. We'd love more people to contribute. Yeah, I want to pitch my deepest condolences to the University of Dayton men's basketball. Oh, team. Obi Toppin. Man, I tell you what, they are devastated. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of schools that are super bummed right now. Um, but like UD, this, well, they haven't been this good. Is, they haven't been this good in, since like the. 40s or something this like it's is like they're... the biggest year of parody in ncaa history like there's like 20 teams that could literally legitimately win it this year yeah yeah so that is very disappointing it is i mean my daughter was super disappointed she was supposed to go sing in williamsburg next week and um had that concert canceled and she was super bummed about it and um you know our big our vacations canceled so it's like yeah everybody's everybody's making sacrifices but my my problems are very small so hashtag cancel culture cancel culture yeah well i got canceled by jamel hill today so i guess you can't you really did. talk to me anymore yeah you did she's gonna they're her uh her mob is gonna go after caps the block yeah. sponsors <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is the beauty of being unsponsored. Is yeah. that yeah, you really can't get shut down. <laughs> in, in a way, they can all CKMA. You know, <laughs> yeah. they all can kiss Love my. It. You oh, know what, what a great! That was well done, mate. That was <laughs> well <you>. done. <laughs> Thank you. That's just a little cavalier yeah, inside little insi- joke. Yeah, that no one would ever get. But I get but it. Like four people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, um, shout out Elijah Kim. Yeah, and Big Easy K. So yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna watch. Uh, I probably I need to catch up on Babylon Berlin. There's three seasons now. Wait, what? They released a new season? Yeah, the new season oh came God. out forever ago. Like a month no. and a half ago. No way, I didn't know this. Yeah, so get on it. Oh my gosh. It. Yeah, that was, oh I'm my gosh. I'm surprised you hadn't illegally streamed it already like you did with I the Detectorist. Ne- I have Netflix. <laughs> Is it on Netflix? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I may not go to bed. Thanks, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me. No, so. I actually uh, started watching season three of The Expanse. Oh, it's um, not, I don't think it's as good as the first two seasons. Okay. Um, how far in are you? I'm two thirds of the way through the first episode. Oh, okay. Where... I mean, there's some very interesting stuff, but they made some choices that were it. It's more stationary in some ways than other seasons. It's... Well, I like the first season more than the second. I like I... the first two seasons a lot, but yeah, it's one of those things where. You know, when you start killing off characters, part of the problem is you've killed off the character, right? Yeah. So if they were a good character, it's like, oh, well, now what, you know? Yeah. Oh, and then the other thing is my daughter, my 10-year-old start play, started playing Goat Simulator today. So, <laughs> Goat Simulator. Hell yeah. yeah. Okay, so, you know what you need to play is a game called Donut Country. She'll get a riot out of that. Okay. Well, I played that weird goose game did you see oh yeah 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 annoying goose or whatever (laughs) yeah no um put if you have steam uh get donut country okay i'll check it out yeah yeah and i i played the crap out of xcom too like i need to just put that game away that game is a blast well oh i got to last night actually i got to champ i got my champ season reward in Rocket League, which honestly, I never, I never thought I'd see the day that I would make champ. Wow. I can say I knew you when. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Let's see. What is um the... Um, what champ? What percentage does that put me in for this season? Champ one for standard means I'm in the top... Two point. I'm in the two percent, Nate. I'm in the top two point six percent of all Rocket League players. Wow, you're like me on like I was on BoardGameArena.com for a long time, and I played this game called Race for the Galaxy. Yeah, and I literally had like over three thousand games, and when you figure a game takes anywhere from seven to fifteen minutes, yeah, uh, that's a lot of games. <laughs> oh wait, um, never mind. And I do you remember do that, right? when Zynga was around? The company no. Zynga that had all those games on Facebook? Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah, they, yeah. Had, they had Boggle, or there was a Boggle light game that I played on there. And I literally, like, you've never... I'm the greatest Boggle player in the world, Tom. Really? Really? Uh, that I literally made a t-shirt for myself that said Boggle Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I would... Like, my high score in Boggle is, like, 210 points or something. It's crazy. Nice. So, yeah, I had 3,700 games under my belt when they uh, took it off. So, that's... Maybe I'm a little... So, maybe... So, oh, I want to follow up on... So, your daughter that has to finish everything. Yeah, yeah. That she has to focus on what she's doing and finish it? Or is she just compulsive that she can't walk away from something when it's going on? Like, it's not it... really a compulsiveness. It's more of a, 
she actually like when she's reading a book or doing a project she's really focused like she that's awesome that's a she great doesn't trait. get distracted like if you call her name she doesn't just like jerk her head up huh like she when i'm you know. super focused like that that is when i'm doing my best work yeah the problem is is it's really hard to get to that state so well she's very good at doing that so so well Go Cavs. <laughs> we yeah. don't know. Go Cavs. Go, go United go States. Go Gilbert, world. Man. Does anyone want to pay coaches more than Dan Gilbert? Oh, like, my I, God. I, I just couldn't believe it. It's like a, a yeah. multi-deal to Bernie Bickerstaff. I'm like, I, I'm not saying he's not doing a good job. It's just, yeah. man, the Cavs love to pay coaches. Well, you heard my theory on that was basically uh, the Cavs decided they needed to start losing games again and playing some G League and 10 so they contract so guys, they need so. to give him some security. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's <laughs> not totally a bad. True. That's not a bad uh, theory, actually. Um. Oh, and then the funny thing is, Jamel Hill was dunking on Dan Gilbert today. So <laughs> because, uh, you know, of course, Kevin Love gave a hundred thousand dollars to the workers at the queue, and then or the Rocket. Sorry. Yeah, Rocket Fieldhouse. Yeah. Yeah. There is a Rocket League uh, tie-in. They should. That's who should. They should sponsor Rocket League. The, the Rocket League should sponsor them. Anyway, um, and so Dan Gilbert had clearly said, "Hey, we're going to pay these guys." And you know, after she dragged Dan Gilbert, it was like, "Oh well, no, no further comment came forth." Yeah, you, know, you only drag, you never redeem. So yeah, yeah. Anyway. Go CDC, go NIH. I'm going to say that. Go, um, <laughs> go, go Cleveland Clinic. Hey, and actually my big thing to pitch, Mike DeWine, I have been super. My boy. My boy. He, he's been a freaking rock star so far. So go Mike DeWine. My boy. And and go us. And stay safe, everybody. Take care of each other. And uh, and we'll, we'll try to be here with regular content. And you can always you know, pour out your grievances and uh, yep. what's going on on the live thread. So go Cavs. Go Cavs. God bless Cavs the blog. <laughs> God bless you all. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blog podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.